Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Monday, January 10th, 2022. Well, as we continue to read through the Christmas story in the Bible, uh, the thoughts of Christmas are still fresh on our minds from last month. And I want you to just think about the familiar parts of the Christmas story, or or even just to picture maybe a nativity set that you had in your house and all the things there. You've got Joseph and Mary, and we've talked about them. You've got the shepherds in the fields, and well, we've talked about them. And now you've got these wise men, and that's what we're going to talk about Today, But even in that, I want us to notice there's a part that often doesn't get talked about when it comes to the Christmas story. There's a part that doesn't get talked about when it comes to the wise men. And we're going to see that. And I want us to think about the whole picture today as we look at Matthew chapter 2. So in our New Testament reading, we'll kind of finish up everything today that we traditionally would associate with the Christmas story, and we'll even get into the boyhood of Christ in Luke 2 before getting to our Old Testament reading. But first, I want us to consider Matthew chapter 2, and it tells the familiar story of the wise men. And they come to Jerusalem having seen this star, and it's very interesting that they come and they ask... Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And when Herod asked the chief priests and the scribes, they don't say, uh, I don't know. They say, he's going to be born in Bethlehem. And I do think it's a valid point. As many has have pointed out, Bethlehem is very close to Jerusalem, about six miles how could all these chief priests and scribes be seeing this, these wise men coming? And it must have been a strange scene, them coming and asking for the king of the Jews. They come and they they ask these questions and they ask for where he is born and he is born in Bethlehem and it's just down the road. But they don't go and they don't look. As a sad story, but then you have these foreigners, these Gentiles coming and seeking the king of the Jews. That is an amazing thing. But then we get more towards the part that we often don't think about. And that is where we see the warning that they flee to Egypt. But then in verse 18 or 16, it says, Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old and under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah, a voice is heard in Ramah weeping and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. And that's something we don't often think about with the Christmas story. We want it to all look polished. We, you know, all the glitz and glam of the, the holiday season. We think of uh, the, the baby being born and the shepherds and the angels and the wise men bringing their gifts. We don't often talk about the babies that were slaughtered in Bethlehem. 
And just even as you stop and you think about that, what a horrible thing. What a wicked thing. I personally, I have a son, a baby boy who is less than two years old. And the thought of taking all the baby boys like that and having them killed, that is a heinous thing. That should bring grief to our own hearts, even just as we think about it, even just as we read it today. We should be shocked at the horror of this scene. And it's not something that we normally think about. And as we think about it, what I want us to do is uh, just to realize um, that in the midst of all of this, there is a tragedy. The, the death of these baby boys is a tragedy. And we have to see how that's something we see in scripture. It's something we see today mixed in with God working his plan. And that's what, I mean, God protects the Messiah, sending him to Egypt. The Messiah is not killed through this, you know, satanic plan of King Herod. It doesn't work, but there are many that clearly suffer the grief and the loss here in this. So in the midst of God working out his plan, there is tragedy. And we see that even now today, that God is still working out his plan. Uh, He is working all things according to the counsel of his will. But in the midst of all that, we still see tragedy today. And even as we look at this story, right, King Herod clearly is a wicked character in this story. And if you even go outside of the Bible and just study history. King Herod was a wicked character. He was a wicked, uh, violent, you know, very paranoid king. Uh, He was not a good guy. And that's where we look throughout history. We look around the world today and there are wicked rulers still on earth. There are wicked rulers who, because of their wickedness, children die. We ourselves live in a nation where children die as the unborn in staggering numbers over the last several decades in our society have been killed in their mother's wombs. There is a lot of things going on in the world now and going all the way back to 2,000 years ago to these babies in Bethlehem that are just wicked. And so that's where it's helpful to see this in the Bible and know that the Bible is no stranger to tragedy. And it's helpful for us to see, even though there's tragedy in scripture and there's tragedy today, all around that, God is working out his plan. That baby Jesus was spared and the Messiah would go on to fulfill his mission and live the perfect life and die on the cross and rise again. And we know that King Jesus is coming again. He is the king of the Jews. He is the king of kings and all the wicked kings in this world right now. Jesus is coming back and he will make everything right. So while we are no strangers to tragedy, we also hopefully are no strangers to the Messiah and no strangers to King Jesus. And our trust is still in him, that he ultimately is the one who will make everything right. So may we put our hope in him. May we put our hope in the king of the Jews. And as we consider still today kings and tragedies, may our trust truly be in the king of all kings. And now we get a glimpse of Jesus as a boy in Luke chapter 2, verses 40 through 52. 
And here we see the familiar story of Jesus staying in the temple and staying in Jerusalem even after his parents had left. And just a few things that I find interesting, um, you know, even as we start looking at Jesus, we're going to have to think through some things because it's easy to just look at some of the things that Jesus does and say, well, Jesus was God, so I can't do that. And that's true. Jesus is fully God. But sometimes we actually sell shell sell short, I think, the reality that Jesus was also fully man. And he is meant to be the model that we follow, uh, that we seek to live our lives after. And so here, even as a boy, we see Jesus uh, loving his father's house. And even we think of today, the church is the household of God. Do you love the church? That's what Jesus would do. And what do you think he was talking about there? I think he must have been talking about the word of God. Do you love the word of God? And even are you teaching your children to love the word of God? That's what the boy Jesus did. And it's also, I mean, an amazing statement in verse 51. And he went down with them, his parents, and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. Wow. He was submissive to them. Are we submissive to our authorities? Lots of things about the example of Jesus, I, I think, that we shouldn't just write off, well, you know, he was he was God. Uh, we should say, no, that he is living the perfect life. Really, what should be the model for me, what I should seek to, to follow, the pattern I should seek uh, to, to pursue. And we're going to see some of that. And then I love the statement at the end of that passage, and Jesus increased in wisdom, or sorry, the verse before that, when it says that his mother, Mary, treasured up all these things in her heart. And we saw that earlier after the the shepherds came, after they had been visited by the angels. And in all of this, Mary isn't saying, man, I've got a raw deal with being pregnant, well, even though I was a virgin, or having to have this baby in a stable, or now I had this traumatic experience of my son being left in Jerusalem, and she's not growing bitter about all these things, she's treasuring them in her hearts. Another thing I think that's a great example for us. Next, let's go to our Old Testament reading, Job, where we're going to look at chapters 15 through 17, and here we see another cycle, uh, starting with his friends, and we see Eliphaz kind of saying more of the same, more of just this overly simplistic, hey, the wicked don't prosper. God's God judges them all the time when that doesn't even match up with other things we see in scripture where people ask, well, why do the wicked prosper? But then we get into Job. And again, I think we're going to see some things uh, that, whoa, Job is a model of faith, but we're going to start to see some things where I don't think Job is saying everything, right? Because again, notice at the end of the book, he's going to end up saying, I repent in dust and ashes. So what do we see in today's reading? Well, in chapter 16, notice what he starts saying in verse six, if I speak, my pain is not assuaged. And if I forbear, how much of it leaves me? Surely now God has worn me out. He has made desolate all my company. He has shriveled me up, which is a witness against me. And my leanness has risen up against me. It testifies to my face. He has torn me in his wrath and hated me. He has gnashed his teeth at me. My adversary sharpens his eyes at me. And I think 
uh, as we think through some of that, I think we start to see the, these are some of the things maybe that we should learn from Job as not the, the things that we should say in a trial. I don't think in a trial we want to start to say, God hates me, that God must be angry at me. That's not necessarily true. That wasn't true here. God did not hate Job. God was not expressing his wrath at Job here. But that is, if we're honest, that's something that's that's hard to kind of fight against if we're experiencing serious tragedy like Job did. It's easy to start thinking, wow, God must be mad at me. Wow, God must hate me. And when you're experiencing grief like that, that's not that big of a stretch for us to go to in our minds. But I think we need to say, well, that's not the most helpful thing. That's not really a true thing. But also we we see Job saying in verse 18, O earth, cover not my blood and let my cry find no resting place. And I think there even is a connection there with some things we see elsewhere in the Old Testament, even the idea of Abel's blood crying out from the ground. And I think there we're really seeing Job cry out to God even for justice. You know, my blood crying, there's blood crying out from the ground. That's a way to go to God really and cry for what is right, cry for justice. And so again, I think that's a that's a better example that in times of tragedy, we should go to God and we should cry for justice. And again, as we see, and even as we have the benefit of maybe parsing out some of Job's word, let's not sell short his grief. And as we counsel others, let's not sell short their grief or when we're the ones that need the counsel. Let us not sell short our own grief and just the power that that is, just as you, you see Job even saying in the beginning of chapter 17, my spirit is broken, right? He, he is a man that has known real and incredibly serious suffering. And so maybe we ask God to fill us with tenderness for all that are experiencing that kind of suffering. And when we're in that, let's cry to God for justice, but let's avoid the trap of starting to think that God hates me and he must be angry at me when that's not necessarily true. But may we trust again over everything in the King of Kings and as we see tragedies. And again, that's where we see that in Job. We saw that in Matthew chapter two. May we put our trust in the King of all kings. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church, Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.